Hey gang, it's Harold. I'm podcasting to you from the pandemic quarantine. In the interest of distracting myself and my gaming friends, I'm reaching out to some interesting people to ask them what they're doing game-wise. With such a big time dividend, I want to hear what they're playing, designing, or thinking about. No CNN, no CNBC, just games. My production obsession will have to be put on hold as I'm most interested in communicating with you rapidly and with some interesting content. This podcast documents a discussion I had with Brant Guillory of Armchair Dragoons, who's a gamer, organizer, podcaster, and a lot of other things. Greetings, Earthling. Brant, how are you? Doing fine. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And it's one in the I'm afternoon. About to say tonight, because I'm used to. Yeah, I was, I was about to say tonight because I'm so used to recording podcasts at like nine o'clock at night, East Coast time. That, you know, <laughs> is, is that how you guys do it? You get together late? Yeah, because we do it on we usually do it on Tuesday nights. We usually do it on weeknights. Um, we uh, we got to do it kind of late, make sure everybody's home from work and had a chance to, you know, get dinner and kiss the kids and that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, I play a lot of I play a lot of Vassal late at night, so I I hear you. Um, but uh, hey, thanks for taking the time. It's it's great to talk to you and meet you phone to phone at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was thinking about it when you invited me on, and I was like, you know, I don't know that Harold and I have ever been actually made arrangements to be on a podcast somewhere. So I know we had talked about it. Yeah, we we've, we've threatened it. Uh, back and forth, but this is the first, so I appreciate you uh, taking the time. If you don't mind, I'd like to establish a handful of ground rules. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so so uh, no politics, uh, no discussion nope. of medical conditions or issues, and uh, no nope. discussion of financial markets. How about that? <laughs> no problem. Uh, other than the fact that my financial market is I'm in the market for finances. <laughs> So. <laughs> well, we'll get the word out on that as well. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So, uh, Brent, you're on the East Coast somewhere, right? In Carolinas? Yeah. yeah. I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. There's a pretty robust gaming, war gamer group there in Carolina, huh? There's, there are a lot of war gamers in town. The minis guys are far more well-organized than the, the board gamers. Um keep in mind i moved to raleigh from columbus where the cabbies are the most insanely organized group of board gamers you will ever find i i think raleigh probably has a comparably sized wargaming community compared to columbus but they are way more organized it, it, we're lucky if we can get eight people to show up at one time here for you know like a, a wargame day and like eight is an off night for the cabs guys you know that's that that's warm up time you know before everybody gets off work on a friday and heads over to the the cabs meeting um so it is what it is we're everybody here there are a lot of war gamers here but they all kind of live within their little social circles and they're happy to just game with their their same couple of friends over and over we had the you know that's that's very much what san diego was and and really for for the most part still is although we we were organizing like crazy on a continual basis but the 
the the minis guys really do a nice job of getting together and and playing things in in large groups um yeah and I, why do you think that's the case um well, I, I think there's a couple of things. I think the minis guys have to be a little more organized for larger group events because it's tough to just impromptu set up a big table for a big, you know, no mores battle or something. Um, you know, all that all that terrain and all the spacing and dragging your crap around, I mean, that just takes a little more organization than, hey, come on over, I got a new game, let's give it a try. Um, so I think that that's part of it. I think... Part of it, this this goes back to some some anecdotal uh, evidence that I've got over the years. I think the minis guys got more organized more quickly online than everybody else did, and so there are fewer places to find out about or, or fewer focal points online for the minis wargaming guys, which means that it's a lot easier for them to get the word out to a mass audience. Um, I mean, the miniatures page, good luck finding a Wargamer that's not somehow connected to the miniatures page. Um, and, and TMP's got a huge, huge reach. Um, and, and so, like, here in town, we've got Triangle Simulation Society. They had been organizing through Yahoo groups going back to the 90s. Um, you know, they, they just got up and running earlier, and so they had better focal points than a lot of the board gamers did um, for a long time. So I, I think they they got their networks established early and everybody kind of was happy to live within them. But because there are fewer of them, it's easier to get the word out. There's, there's not as many places you have to try and hit. And then, you know, the point you started with as well, I think, is, is a big deal in, in that they plan. Um, the, the local yeah, group yeah. here, um, you know, there's there's one guy that sort of pulls I mean I guess there are a couple of miniatures groups but one guy in particular that pulls pulls things together and he pulls together a plan you know a month or so out and uh, every week they know what they're going to be playing and they all play it together and it's very different than what we do as war gamers right I mean many times yeah in our war game gatherings you know significant number of the people show up with with maybe a game or two in the hand but no idea as to what they are going to play yep yep um, yep so that's different. You know, the other thing that's funny is when we started organizing here, um, we put together an annual convention, and I assumed, uh, and I was incorrect, but I assumed that we could easily incorporate miniatures gamers and that we would, uh, you know, all play together in harmony, maybe splitting the group, maybe splitting the room in half or something like that, right? And we'd all yeah. be doing our thing, and it would be fun because I love the visual aspect of the minis, and I'd love to play other people's minis, and and uh, I thought it would be perfect, but but we really couldn't make it happen. You know, we have a few people that play board games and minis that kind of bleed back and forth. But uh, for the most part, we couldn't really generate any, any um, at least with historical miniatures, any, you know, motivation to stay together. We, uh, you know, I mentioned the Triangle Simulation Society. Here in town, they run two small small-ish convent they're they're a large small convention if that makes sense um <laughs> but they they run two of them a year they one run one each in the spring and fall and and they are almost exclusively minis focused there'll be you know an occasional dude show up selling some board games as well as some mini stuff um 
they're comparable in size to what the Cavs guys pull together with Buckeye Game Fest. I mean, they get a couple hundred people over a weekend um, doing doing minis wargaming stuff, and and it's not all purely historical stuff. They'll do some steampunk stuff. They'll have some Warhammer and Warhammer 40k stuff. Um, they, they'll you know they'll have some Star Wars X-wing stuff going on. They'll they'll have a, a variety of things. Um, you know, alongside the Napoleonics and the bolt action World War II stuff and Flames of War and whatever else. They'll pull in, you know, a couple hundred people, 100, you know, 200 people, plus or minus a couple, uh, over the course of a weekend, easy. No problem at all. Um, God help you if you suggest pulling out a board game at one of those things. Um, you, you're going to get chased out of the room with a cattle prod. And... And, and, like, I get it. You know, it's their show. They're a minis organization. They want it to be a minis thing, and I think they're they're afraid of being overrun by Carcassones. But the trying to organize a comparable tabletop thing here uh, has proven to be a significant headache. There, there is a, small, a small-ish game convention here every year. They, they couldn't do it this year because of the plague, obviously. But um, they, they have one here the last couple of years called Playthrough. That is a very schizophrenic convention. There's a lot of digital stuff in there, a lot of retro digital stuff. They'll set up a giant bank of like 48 old school NES systems. Um, but you get a lot of digital stuff here just because we have Epic Games. There's a big Ubisoft um, outlet here, outlet, outpost, office, whatever you want to call them. Um, we've got a bunch of big name video game companies that are either based here or have significant presence here. And so there's no way that people organizing a big convention down at the, the convention center downtown here are going to ignore those guys. And so although we've got a decent number of tabletop guys around town, they are clearly relegated to, to second best at the one big convention we do have. And nobody's really stepped up to try and put together a serious tabletop convention, kind of like what you guys have in San Diego, kind of like what the Cavs guys have. The guy that runs MACE, the Mid-Atlantic Convention and Expo, that's based out of Charlotte, they, they do this every year around Veterans Day. Um, I know Jeff. I've talked to Jeff a bunch, and he and I have even talked about seeing if we could try and start something up here in, in Raleigh. And it's, it's prohibitively expensive to get venue space around here without getting really creative. Um, but he just hasn't found sufficient appetite to really take the plunge here. It's unfortunate. I would love to have one in my backyard that I could just kind of commute to. Um. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. No, that's, you know, I, I we started the San Diego convention with my own interest at heart. I just wanted a group of people to play with. Yeah. And, and, and my connection with GMT has really helped um, because we get a ton of GMT designers that come down. And that and that really makes it, makes it possible for us to pull in, you know, 150 150 yeah. plus gamers, but, um, because we get, you know, maybe, I don't know, 30 or 40%, maybe 50% from outside San Diego that, that all have to travel to some extent, some flying from Europe or Canada. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, that's helped a lot, but, um, but it's tough. And, um, and, you know, the other thing about to go back to the minis, I, there's a, there's a great deal of angst between certain minis players and certain you know, kind of uh, war game, board war game players um, that I didn't realize would be there and, and surprised me. Um, 
you know, kind of snubbing, snubbing back and forth uh, each other, yeah. either, either because, you know, there's no depth in your rules and your count, you know, your, your, your minis are pretty, but there's no depth or, you know, the converse, uh, you know, a guy here just says over and over, I, we, I will never play a chit based, you know, a chit war game. Um, yeah. And, and uh, it's just, I don't get it. It doesn't need to be like that. You it would just it would it could be perfect, right? I mean, we could all play together. We could make space for each other. Or or at the least, go play without insulting the other guy. Right? I mean, I seriously, I've been in some conventions where I would just be happy if you could get the minis dudes, the the CCG guys, the RPG guys and the tabletop board gamers all in one place together and just not talk smack about each other. Right? Just show up and play. Like, I'm not trying to convert you. I'm not proselytizing. I'm not trying to get you to come over to my side of the room. Just be in the same room and go play and maybe walk around and take a look at what some other people are doing and enjoy it without saying anything derogatory. Like, just walk around and have a good time. And and it seems so hard for people to, like, just not be jerks. It's like, it's not that hard to just not say anything. I, so. I agree, but it, it's also hard to get a bunch of board war gamers together and not have them talk smack about each other, right? Whether, whether it's, yeah, but I think I, it goes back to, you know, I get to talk bad about my brother, but you don't get to talk bad about my brother, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. Well, you're doing a lot to pull people together. I, I, love, uh, I love what you're doing with Armchair Dragoons. And uh, that's, that's your, uh, your, uh, your passion project, right? Um, yeah, pretty much. The, I, I'm not, not going to bore the audience by going into too much of the history and all of this, but a lot of the community um, coalesced 15 years ago almost. Uh, back at wargamer.com when Jim Zabeck was still the editor-in-chief there. And, and and it was a lot of folks that enjoyed a lot of very similar kinds of games, both digital and tabletop. And that's that's one of the big things that I've always been real passionate about is I'm not a huge computer wargamer, but I'm not going to tell the computer wargamers that they're, you know, what they're doing isn't okay. And, and too often I find other tabletop guys just really in a hurry to do that. And so what we wanted to do was carve out a space where tabletop and computer guys could coexist and have fun and, and just be strategy gamers together. And, uh, and you know, the, the, the formula has worked. And so, you know, Armchair Dragoons opened, opened our doors. I, I, you know, we refer to it as the Regiment of Dragoons. And so the, the, the regiment was mustered into service in the summer of 2018. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we just keep that whole metaphor going you know, to, to ridiculous extremes in some cases. Um, <laughs> but we, uh, you know, again, it, it was one of those things that we are wargame focused, but not wargame exclusive. If folks want to talk about some role-playing stuff or some collectible card stuff, like we're not going to stop them. That's not going to be the focus of what we do, but we're, we're not going to denigrate folks for doing it. You know, we, um, Jim used to refer to gaming omnivores, right, folks that play all kinds of stuff. Um, and, uh, and I, I think there's certainly space for, for all of them in the hobby. It, it's funny cause I've actually, in terms of just pure product count, I probably have twice as much role-playing stuff in my, in my game room here than I do tabletop wargaming stuff. Now, part of that is because I can stack 
12 D&D modules in the space of, you know, one squad leader box. Um, <laughs> but but I've, I've played a ton of role-playing stuff over the years also, in, in large part because growing up, like, you can do a role-playing game on a bus. You know, it's a little tough to lay out a board game when you're riding a bus somewhere. Um, so we wanted to make a space where, where any of those guys could do stuff. And, uh, and that's what we started with. And, and it's evolved into some interesting ways that we couldn't really predict ahead of time. Uh, Jim Ozarski, Cyrano on, on the web, Jim started, uh, uh, live streaming some of the games that he was playing on YouTube. And so he and Doug Miller were doing some early JTS playtesting and, and, and so they were live streaming some of the early releases of some JTS games. Uh, but then Jim discovered Tabletop Simulator. And so now we're live streaming, you know, old SPI games through Tabletop Simulator. And, and then the play kit. And suddenly everybody's on Tabletop Simulator, <laughs> right? And now, now the whole world has suddenly seen the light. And, and Jim had been doing Tabletop Simulator stuff for a year before that hit. And, uh, and we've got the videos to show, you know, because he, he live streams these things and we archive them all. And so we've been doing, you know, old SPI games. They did uh, Wizard's Quest from Avalon Hill a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we, we've done a ton of Napoleonic Minis stuff using Tabletop Simulator. And, you know, like the Minis guys are going to poo-poo it. You're not painting your own figures, you know. <laughs> well, so it started out just doing Saturday Night Fights, and then it's it's expanded some. Now there's a, a regular Wednesday edition of Wednesday Night Warfare, um, there's also currently a Blood Bowl tournament going on that the guys at the site have organized. And so they're, uh, even games that Jim is not playing in, they will live stream and Jim calls the game as though he's a football announcer. Um, and, and, uh, so those are played kind of when the players can arrange to be there. Um, that, you know, there's a lot of one-offs that, that guys are putting together and playing. There's, there's been a lot of, uh, Jim has this personal goal to play all of the commands and colors Napoleonic scenarios on the anniversary date of the battles, which keeps him and his son pretty busy playing a lot of CNC Napoleonics. Um, you know, but again, if you're doing it in Tabletop Simulator, like the setup and teardown time is launch Tabletop Simulator, right? It's, you know, you, you're not having to dedicate a table to do stuff. Um, you know, if you need a handful of extra grenadier guards, you know, you, you know, copy and paste, and there's another ten dudes on the on the map. Um, you know, yeah, it's cheating. It's not painting your own figures, but it looks good. And uh, you know, our regular Saturday night fights group includes guys in Ottawa, guys in you know, in in the countryside in Northwest Ohio. Phoenix, Arizona, Jim's in Milwaukee, Doug's in Indianapolis. We get a bunch of dudes from England. We'll pop in and watch the, the starts of the games. By the time the games are wrapping up, it's like 3 in the morning in the U.K., so those guys aren't staying on the whole night. Uh, but we occasionally get some Aussies, get up early and watch. And uh, it, it's, you know, we weren't planning on that when we when we started the Dragoon site. It's just been an interesting thing that's kind of grown up just because Jim had a passion for it. And has kept doing it, and people keep finding it and going, "Wow, this is cool! I want to be a part of this." So, yeah, and and people, you know, people following in your footsteps is really flattery, I think, right? I mean, you guys are, you guys are onto something, and people seeing its value. Yeah, yeah, I, 
just so we're clear, like I in no way want to claim any of the credit for what Jim's done with Tabletop Simulator and Saturday Night Fights. What I've done is republish the YouTube videos and, and you know, post the live streams when he gets them cranked up. Um, but but Jim is the guy that has put in all of that work for that, and, and he's done a wonderful job of it. Um, it. It's, you know, again, kind of made a space for him to organize the stuff and got out of the way and let it, let him go have fun with it. Um, but, you know, we, we just reorganized the forums on our site uh, a couple of weeks ago to group several of the different places where people were talking about different kinds of online games so that we had those consolidated in one place in our forums because we had so much... Um, it, it, we had so many different places where people were trying to organize online games or, or uh, you know, looking for opponents that it we just needed to consolidate it all to make it easier for people to find. Um, we've got one group that's playing a bunch of online Battletech campaigns. Um, Jim and Doug have been running these online Kriegspiels. Um, you know, it's easy to do a double-blind double Kriegspiel when your 16 players are all in different cities, right? Lots of email traffic back and forth. That's, that's real easy to do at that point. Um, but we've had a pair of those running for over a year now, and, and they're, they're winding down, so Jim's already starting to recruit for the next one. Um, you know, we, we've got the Blood Bowl tournament going on. We've got other folks doing play-by-post games in the forums. So it's, it's worked out to where we've got a lot more gameplay going on on the site than I think we ever really expected, which is cool. Like, there's a worse problem to have, you know? <laughs> no, and I love it because it embraces the technology that we're faced with. I think uh, the, the pandemic has forced us all to change a lot. And, um, you know, I, I can see that, uh, you know, as a, as a professor, the use of, um, the use of, of uh, Zoom for online um, lecture has really you know, broadened, I think, everyone's perspective into how to use these methods to communicate with people and how much better it all can be. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's awesome to see. And I think the, the future is great, right? I mean, I'm, I don't, I don't want to see another unboxing video, but if I can see a competitive game or somebody <laughs> playing something, I'm all over it. Yeah. I, I don't mind the unboxing videos when they're, you know, three to six minutes long. But when you give me a 45-minute unboxing video, man, 45 minutes, you better be playing a game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, or, or just do it as photographs that I could just scroll through the pictures. <laughs> yeah, right. No, and, uh, you know, GMT has high-quality rule books or, or Academy has high-quality rule books. I knew that. Um, you know, yeah. the physical quality of the paper and the print. Yeah. Well, uh so we could go a lot of directions here. I'm I'm not really sure which way to take you, but I'd like to talk a little bit about Origins. Um, and yeah. obviously Origins and, and Gen Con canceled this year uh, because of the pandemic we're not supposed to talk about. But, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's um, I, I'd like to I'd like to, to hear you talk a little bit about what you do at Origins uh, and, and how Wargamer friendly that particular convention is. And, and I know that, you know, I was I was at an Origins 30 years ago, so I know how friendly it used to be. But but, um, yeah. you know, now we're all kind of fighting just just to stay on the map. And you've done a very nice job of making it happen at Origins. Well, thank you. Um, just a, as a as a minor correction, Origins for 2020 has not officially been canceled. It's been moved to October now. 
will it get canceled between now and October? There's probably a decent chance of that happening. Um, but officially it hasn't happened yet. There, there are still plans for us to be there in October and to be wargaming in October. Um, there is Origins Online coming up this week as we are recording this. I'm not sure how quickly we'll get the, the you know, everything edited and released. That it's, uh, you know, it's possible Origins Online has already happened by the time this call is done. Uh, by the time, you know, people are hearing this. But, but Origins has not been officially canceled for 2020. It's supposed to happen in October. Um, as far as Wargaming there, um, so my first Origins... Um, I'm going to sound like, you know, a little kid here, and that's fine because I'm used to being the kid brother in the room with the Wargamers. But my my first Origins was 05. Um, I had moved to Columbus the previous year for grad school, and in 05, I actually I got a vendor table for Bayonet Games, and I had no clue what the hell I was doing. Uh, me and there was, a, there was a friend of mine who uh, who, who had a, an adaptation of chess he called Soldier Chess, and some custom printed map boards for that. And so the two of us showed up at Origins, splitting a booth together. Um, no idea what we were in for. Uh, but, but you know, we were going to go have fun with it anyway. When, because we were a war game company, they parked us near some of the other war game companies. And so in, in 2005 at Origins, I was next to Columbia Games, across the aisle from MMP, uh, across that aisle and about two more booths down was Avalanche Press, down at the end of the aisle in the other direction from Avalanche was GMT. Clash of Arms was right behind them. And I know I'm missing somebody. Um, oh, Matrix Games was over in the over in the corner up against the wall. Uh, and that was the year they had uh, the original Band of Heroes published by Matrix before Mark took Lock and Load off as its own company. Um that's just what I can remember off the top of my head. Like, that doesn't include secondary dudes, because, like, Crazy Igors was still around back then, um, you know, before before he cashed out the company and everything. So there were a bunch of folks selling secondary stuff. But, I mean, there, there were war game companies all over the place. I don't remember if Lost Battalion was there that year or not with their sergeant stuff. It's entirely possible they were. But I was so overwhelmed, you know, with, with what I was getting into that one year that I, I really – just couldn't remember everybody that was there. There were a ton of war game stuff all over the place. Um, and that doesn't count all the stuff happening over in the Origins War College or anything else like that. Um, I had Bayonet Games there for three years. There, there was three years that I was actually still printing and selling games. And, uh, it, and the war game presence started to fall off a little bit. But by about 2009-2010, there were three four war game companies around there not a ton um the there was actually 2010 2011 there were probably eight or nine of them total because by then byron collins started showing up uh mark walker had taken lock and load off to its own thing and so now he's he's there um the grognard sims dudes um started showing up a couple of years there so there were there were some vendors in the vendor hall but there weren't a ton of war game events going on. And there was never any real unity about, hey, here's wargaming stuff. It was either the minis guys off doing their own minis thing mixed in with all the Warhammer 40K dudes and everything else, or there were the, the regular tabletop wargame stuff mixed in with all of the other tabletop gaming events. And so you're having to look through Carcassonne and Ticket to Ride to find the wargame stuff in there. 
there was no real no real unity to it all, no real visibility of it all. And and it was like that 2013 at least. Um, and and I think there were a lot of us that were starting to get pretty frustrated with the fact that Origins had kind of completely blown off Wargaming as a whole. GMT stopped showing up at the show. MMP stopped showing up. It was just too expensive for those guys to show up for the kinds of sales that they were expecting. It just wasn't worth it for them to pack up the you know, pack up the office and basically, like, you know, the guys from GMT, like, if they're going to show up at a big convention, they almost have to shut things down for a week to do that. Um, GMP is probably a little better position to do that than MMP is or Worthington or any of the smaller companies. Um, but there wasn't a ton of visibility to it all. And so I got in touch with John Ward over at Gamma back when he was the executive director. Um, I'd known John socially through through the cabs organization and through doing some things with gamma over the years. And John was, uh, yeah, I went to John and said, look, here are a handful of ideas. What, what are you going to let us get away with? This, guy, this is sort of how I phrased it. You know, here's a bunch of ideas. Uh, half of them probably break gamma rules, but you tell me what we can get away with. And, and John and I sat down, you know, over an afternoon and kind of hammered out a, a couple of things that we thought would work for putting some events on in there and giving us kind of a central focal point for wargaming stuff. And uh, and that's what we did. It, and so it, it was dependent at the time on having the companies present at Origins as vendors. You had to be there as a vendor for us to be able to, to uh, present events for your games. And that was something John was real passionate about because he wanted he wanted the companies to have some skin in the game. Hey, if we're going to go through all the trouble of um, giving these guys the space and the publicity to to do this stuff for your games, you need to show up and sell your games. And and that wasn't an unreasonable ask, I didn't think. Um, so we reached out to all kinds of different war game companies and. You know, look, MMP and GMT, those guys weren't coming back, and and we kind of knew that. We did ask. We, we made a good faith effort to at least ask, um, but but we weren't expecting them to come back. But we got a lot of the smaller publishers interested and and involved and engaged for several years. Um, Byron Collins showed up. Lock and Load showed up once once uh, David Heath bought bought out Lock and Load. He showed up and was there when Mark started up Flying Pig. They were there with us for a couple of years. Um, uh, Lost Battalion got involved with us and, and were, were very involved and very supportive for a couple of years there. Uh, Proving Ground Games, who does, uh, they, they do minis wargaming stuff. They were always a big supporter for us. You know, over the, the last six, seven years, we've probably had about 20 different companies that we've worked with in to various levels. Um, those guys provide us some copies of games that we can use as prizes for the participants in the, the events there. Um, all of these things are ticketed events, so they are in the, the official game program. You can register for these events just like everything else. We've tried some tournaments. Uh, the, the tournaments don't tend to attract as many players as we were hoping simply because people don't want to commit that much time um, to, to having to be in one thing for, you know, six, eight, ten hours, whatever. Uh, but it's, you know, it... it I'm not going to say that we've turned the tide at the convention to suddenly, oh my gosh, Origins is a wargaming destination again. Um, but we've 
we've been able to reverse the slide. It, it is no longer one of those things of people showing up and saying, man, there's no wargaming at Origins anymore. And anybody that's saying that is either blind or lying. Uh, we're, we're there. We are, we are consistently put in a far more prominent location than we probably deserve, which you know, I'm, I'm not really going to complain about, but it's, uh, you know, it is nice that, that Gamma gives us a good chunk of floor space to work with. Um, we're, we're pretty loud and proud of the fact that that's where the war gamers are and that's what we're doing. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it, again, I'm not going to say that we've flipped the convention back to being war game heavy, but, uh, it, it has made a difference. We, we, there's definitely wargaming present at Origins again. We we are starting to see a lot of the same people show up two and three and four and five years in a row looking for us, specifically trying to find us. Um, we we've now added several GMs that started out playing with us at Origins over the years, which is kind of cool. Um, you know they've come back year after year and now are part of the team. Um, so that's that's kind of neat. Um, that, that's not really in a nutshell. That's a really big nut, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a big deal, right? I mean, that's that used to be that used to be our convention, right? I mean Oh yeah. It, it used to be the it used to be the one. And even Gen Con, right, started off with a ton of uh, war gamers and then role playing and and then uh, grew into something else but kinda of left war games behind. So it's good to see that uh that that's uh that foothold is there and, and we all have an option if we want to go to to origins to play a bunch of war games with a bunch of people that um you know we can spend the spend the entire break with yeah they, just I, I don't want it to it, just to be clear because i'm not sure who else is going to hear this or what they're going to say about it but there was always war gaming on tables at origins a lot of the guys a lot of the cabbies the the columbus area board gaming society the guys that run the boardroom um, the, the cabbies have, have a couple of groups within them that are some hardcore war gamers. And so you could go into the boardroom and you could find ASL games all day long. Uh, there was, there's a group in there that had done a ton of OCS playtesting over the years, but those guys play big monster games. They've set up Labatt games, they've set up OCS games, and they'll play, you know, over, over 96 hours. They'll spend 70 of them around that table doing nothing but playing one scenario of one game. Um, you know, these these big monster games that they just sit there and slug it out over the entire weekend. Uh, so, so those things were always going on, and no matter what we did, those weren't really going to be impacted one way or the other. Um, I think what we tried to do was tying in with the vendors, uh, give people a chance to play something that if they liked it, they could walk right over there and go buy it, or, um, you know, they were able to support the, you know, be there and play a game, go talk to the designer, uh, get a little more insight into the games if they liked them, be able to show their support for companies that they liked if they already had a prior relationship with those companies. Uh, one of the things that made a huge difference, the uh, GMT worked out a deal with Enterprise Games out of, uh, out of Indianapolis that uh, GMT helps support Enterprise being there, and in return, Enterprise has exclusivity for GMT products there. And so Enterprise uh, allows us to sponsor GMT events, and so that's made a big difference. Um, we're now able to get GMT things on the table. So we've had coin events, we've had combat commander stuff, um, 
last last time out we did Fort Sumter. We've done Talon. Uh, there was one year we had. You'll appreciate this because it's your game. We had three separate tables of liberty or death going on. Um, we had only planned on two sets of on two tables for liberty or death at the time, and we had twelve guys show up. We had a couple of guys show up with some generic tokens, and rather than turn them away, we uh, we converted one of the uh, one of the extra. We, we grabbed an extra table that wasn't in use at the time, and I pulled out my personal copy of liberty or death, and we threw that out there also. And so we we were able to run three simultaneous games of that one. That's um, good. That warms my heart. You know. Yeah. Yeah, we we had a whole bunch of people wanted to play that year, and it it ran the GM ragged. Like the GM was used to was planning on kind of bouncing between two different tables, helping guys stay on track and helping you know teach the game and everything. And now he's bouncing between three, so I had to kind of step in and help out there a little bit. Um, but it was it was pretty cool to to see you know we had that much more than we planned on going on. Um, so you know that. There's always been some wargaming at Origins. It was just never particularly prominent because it was just guys making their own arrangements to go play something. So so much of it is, is the events, right? I mean, setting up events so that people that um, that may not be as well-connected or comfortable coming in uh, to, to, to drop in and play a game is, uh, is really a big deal. And that's what, you know, that's what fosters the growth. That's what fosters pulling people in that instead might go play Carcassonne or X-Wing. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that that has definitely helped. So, you know, it's it's official events that you can find in the book. And you're right. It's not dependent on who you already know. Um, so, you know, again, it's it's made a difference. I, I again, people now realize there is Wargaming at Origins. Um, these are the guys doing it. Here's where you can find them. You know, John Ward originally committed to giving us three years worth of space to, to get this thing up and running, and we were going to evaluate after three years. And and when I went back to him after the third year and said, hey, John, I think it seems to be going okay. What do you think? And he said, if you told me you weren't coming back, I was going to be mad at you. So <laughs> I took that as a good sign. <laughs> and and it's now to the point where, where we are expected to show up and do stuff. Um, it's not, hey, Brant, are you coming back? It's hey, Brent, what are you guys doing next year? Um, and, and so, you know, that's kind of cool. Um, you know, I, I'll say a lot of folks are like, hey, Brant's the guy organizing wargaming stuff at Origins. Brant's the guy doing all the paperwork. Um, you know, I, I, I'm calling a lot of people saying, hey, I would like to have you involved. And so I guess there's some, you know, th- there's some organization on my part that, that, you know, I'm probably responsible for and all of that. Um but I, I want to make sure that, you know, the GMs get the credit for actually doing the hard stuff. They're the guys having to set up games, tear down games, stand over people, make sure they're doing stuff right, teach people how to play, um, you know, organizing the tables and all those things. I mean, those dudes put in a ton of work. And, and they're – like, I can get them into the show for free, but they're paying their own dime to travel there. They're paying their own dime for, you know, room and board kind of stuff because there's, there's a limit to what we can provide. Um, so, you know, guys like – Doug Miller and Jim Ozarski and Mike Colello and Rick Billings, who's got to get on a plane to get there. You know, everybody else drives. Rick's got to fly because he lives out in California. Um, you know, all these dudes over the years, the, the guys from On Target Sims and, and James Sterrett, who run those command post exercises for us, um, those dudes put in a ton of work. Like, again, I'm the dude doing all the paperwork, and I'm kind of the public face of it all because I'm the guy out rabble-rousing about, hey, there's Wargaming over here. Um, but those are the guys actually doing the work, you know, 
Yeah, well, that's that's awesome. I wanted to uh, before we before we close, I wanted to talk a little bit about your podcast. Um, you guys, are you on a biweekly schedule, or do yeah, you yeah. publish? Yeah, so so talk a little bit about the content. I I love it. I I'm on it every time. It seems like a lot of interviews recently. Uh, always good discussion of war games and and what you're playing. What uh, what? How do you think about organizing? So we uh, the the schedule is a little a little wacky in that we we run them in batches of of episodes that we refer to as seasons and so you know a season runs anywhere from 10 to 15 episodes or so and and we do roughly a season each semester of school if you want to think of it in, in that kind of breakdown so we'll have a fall season and a spring season and then we'll take a break over the summer and then we'll do a fall season and a spring season. Usually we take the break over the summer because there's a bunch of us off doing stuff with game conventions. Clearly that's not a problem this year, but but that was just kind of how our schedule was built. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when we are in season, we we release weekly. So we'll go between 10 and 15 weeks at a time of here's an episode each week and then we'll take a break for two or three months and then we'll come back and here's an episode each week um, is how we do it. So right now we're on we're on a summer hiatus and somewhere around the middle of August we'll start organizing the fall season and we'll start releasing probably around Labor Day and run roughly Labor Day to Thanksgiving. Um, and that's, that's how we piece the scheduling together on it. Um, as far as topics and such there are times where we've made arrangements to bring on a specific person to interview and then have a specific topic around those interviews uh, when we had Matt Caffrey come on to talk about uh, the release of on wargaming when when he was talking about the the book um, obviously we're going to spend the entire show focused on Matt and the book because that's that's why we brought Matt along um, to, to talk about those things <sighs> This past season, we've had a handful of other content creators, guys like Mo from Mo's Game Table or Keith from Wargame HQ. And so it's been talking some about, um, you know, those guys' sites, what they do, how they do it, that sort of thing. Uh, kind of like what you're doing to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, but, but a lot of times, especially when it's just our group, um, the, the, the atmosphere that we've always gone to is, if you had a handful of wargamers just kind of hanging out in a bar, having a drink, talking about wargames, and just put a tape recorder down on the table, what would you come up with? And that's that's kind of what it is. We, we want it to be, obviously, when we've got somebody that's there that, we're, you know, we specifically brought them in to talk about a particular topic, we're going to focus on that topic. But otherwise, it's just going to be, hey, what do you feel like talking about? I don't know. What, what do you played this week? What, what was the last thing you bought? What do you think about this? thing that's in the news around wargaming right now and we'll talk about those things and uh you know i'm not going to say there haven't been some adult beverages involved here and there on occasion (laughs) um but you know that's that's sort of the 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 vibe we've gone for is let's just have a conversation with friends about wargaming and you know see if other people want to listen and uh and and that's that's kind of been the vibe we've gone for um so there are times when we're very formal. There are times when we are the exact opposite of formal. Uh, <laughs> there was one podcast a while ago, um, back at you know the previous site where we all used to work, that we had Gary Mangle from Ardwolf's Lair, and then Mike Colello, BB Mike over at our site, and then uh, and then Chris Mirth, who has been my co-host for a lot of these seasons, 
um, the three of them on the show together. And we were talking about, you know, just some recent purchases, some recent games, some new new releases coming out. Um, and we, we recorded for an hour. We kind of wrapped it all up. And then somebody said, yeah, I think Gary hit, you know, somebody's sale. Somebody had a sale going on. And Gary was looking. He's like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. This thing is this cheap, whatever game it was that he was looking at. Suddenly everybody's hitting their browsers real quick and going and looking at it. And while the call, I, I should have hit record again right away. I had no idea what was about to happen. But for the next 35, 40 minutes, the four of us were just chasing sales around the web. And, oh, my God, I can't believe I just spent another $45 on stuff. <laughs> and, and in real time, the I say the four of us, the three of them dropped most of my I think I ordered one game at like 28 bucks or something ridiculous like that. But in real time, the three of them probably dropped $500 across six or seven different companies over the next 45 minutes that we were all on the Skype call together after we were done recording. <laughs> it would have been... It would have been one of the most hilarious podcast episodes ever if I had just <laughs> let the recording run. I, it's my own fault, right? I mean, I can't, I can't blame a technical glitch. I can't get mad at anybody else for it. I should have just, I, but I had no idea that was about to happen, and that we were going to go another forty-five minutes with that. So, but that's that's the attitude that we go for. I mean, if we had released that as an episode, it would have, it, it would not have been out of place at all in the pantheon of what we do. Um, Every time Compass Games mails out another one of their giant fold-up catalogs, like, you know, we get the catalog out and we do a podcast episode just talking about what's in the catalog. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, when I first started, I, you know, I, I was out of the hobby for a long time and I started back about five years ago. And some of those early podcasts were, were fantastic because they had that discussion, right? The discussion about what games are good and what what are bad and why and, and um, you know, what, 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 what they're interested in and strategy and... And, um, you know, I, I came back just completely blind to all the new products that were in the market. So it was awesome. It was just great. It was great banter. And um, and so I, I can see why so many people listen to your podcast and are, are interested in what you guys have to say. And, and you know, plus, you, you know, you, you also want to hear a group of bright guys talking about it. Right. So. Uh, so, you know, there, there are others that don't live to that standard, but, you know, a, a handful of bright guys talking about, uh, about what they think about games is, is interesting, you know, regardless of the length of the podcast. Yeah, so somehow I managed to sneak in there, too. So. And, and you, yeah. <laughs> well, Brand, yeah, it's probably... Me. A bunch of bright guys and me. And Brand. <laughs> Probably a good time to uh, to cut it here. We need to do this again because we have so much more to talk about. Um, but but I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to talk and and uh, I'll be listening. So uh, don't say anything bad about this discussion on your podcast. <laughs> well, we're not do we're not planning on doing anything with ours again. Like I said, until the end of the summer. So I'm sure something else will go sideways between now and then that we'll all get together and make fun of. So I should. Should be totally fine, but we are going to have you show up sometime this fall and come hang out with us, and uh, and come join join us on our show one of these nights. Yeah, I, I would be honored. So uh, just let me know; we'll work it out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, but no, this is this has definitely been fun. I, uh, I I would absolutely love to chat a little more gaming with you sometime. I I want to hear a little more of the story behind the uh the san diego convention and and not just you wanting to get together with a whole bunch of other gamers to play but how you've managed to like convince folks to get on planes to show up because that's kind of cool yeah 
Yeah, well, so. it is, and it and, and we'll uh, we'll hit that this fall. I look forward to talking to you about it. You bet, you bet. Thank you very much.